Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons Podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. Good morning, church. Good to see you. Um, It's not the same without you here. We miss seeing your faces. I hope everyone's doing okay in this lockdown. It looks like it's going to be going a little bit longer than we hoped for. Um, And so just want to echo what Heather said. Let's reach out to each other. Let's just touch base, text, phone calls, whatever we can do, just to keep encouraging one another. Because, you know, as I said before, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Some people might be doing it a little more tough because they're even more isolated than, than some of us. So please, let's make sure we reach out to each other. Thank you to everyone who uh, jumped on and did a little tidbit for our introduction to this series that we're doing. Um, Some really great stuff coming through there. Not sure about the pants thing, but um, hey, let's see what happens when everyone comes back. So anyway, we're doing an introduction, I'm doing an introduction today to a new series that we're launching called Post-Pandemic Jesus People. And we've got to laugh because we actually planned this when we thought that we were on the, uh, the tail end of the pandemic and, well, COVID. And so here we are. And um, we put a question mark in the title, post, because we don't know when this thing's going to end, not just the lockdown, the pandemic itself. We don't know when we're going to be on the other side of this thing. But what we wanted to do was to use it as an opportunity for us to really begin to start thinking about what our life as individual followers of Jesus and as the church can look like or should look like when we find ourselves in these times. Because let's face it, times, times are changing, right? Times have changed, they are changing, and they will continue to change. Uh, that's one constant in all of this. And um, what I want us to get this morning, and what I, the question I want us to ask ourselves this morning, is even though times are changing, has what it means for us to be the church? So the times have changed, they will change, they are changing, but has what it means for us to be the church. And let me start with two really, really important, unchanging, ungirding truths that should really be factored into how we think about this going forward, how we see ourselves and how we conduct ourselves going forward. And it's found in the passage that's in your apps this morning from Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 18. And it starts by saying that Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Now, again, for us, that could simply be seen as some sort of irrelevant geographical detail. But as I've said to you in the past, the gospel writers are very clever. They include all sorts of detail in there that to us at first blush doesn't seem to mean anything, but there is actually real incredible significance to it. And this little detail about them being in Caesarea Philippi is actually one of those details. Why? Because in Caesarea Philippi, which was a coastal town, out on the coast, by the cliffs, there was a big plateau of rock in front of a cave, a very, very deep, dark cave. And on this plateau of rocks, in front of this very deep, dark cave, the worshippers and followers of the Greek god Pan the God who was half man, half goat, used to meet to have their worship services, if you like. And it was pretty dark, and it was pretty debauched, and it was pretty horrible. So in a sense, right, 
This, this stuff could be seen as being representative of all that was dark and evil and opposed to the light of the kingdom of God. And that little cave in front of, uh, behind that plateau was called the Gates of Hades, or as we might call it, the Gates of Hell. And as I say, it was synonymous with all that was dark and evil. And it was in that place, in Caesarea Philippi, and who knows? Jesus and the disciples could have been, seen, uh, been standing in proximity to that. They could have been having eyeballing this actual cave. And it's in this place that Jesus turns around and he says to, people, to Peter, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some people say you're a prophet, some people say you're Elijah. And he says, well, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, and I tell you this truth, right? On this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, like that thing there that at this point represents debauchery and darkness and evil and all that's opposed to God, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And again, the language is important there. Jesus isn't talking about the church being on the defensive, that the gates of hell are trying to attack the church, but the church is going to be able to withstand the hell's attack. It's actually the church is on the offensive and whatever gets in the way of the church is not going to stand. The gates of hell will not stand when the church stands up and does its thing. So it's not a stretch for us to be able to say that those gates of hells could be, those gates of Hades could represent anything that either tries to oppose or get in the way of the church and the kingdom of God and what Jesus is doing in the world. And so many so many people and so many things have come up that have, in fact, tried to do that, and they've all failed spectacularly. You know, we've, we've got to never, ever forget that the church was born and thrived in the middle of persecution. Wherever something has come against the church, wherever something has occurred or someone has deliberately tried to stamp it out, it has only grown stronger and quicker because that is the nature of of the church. And this stuff we're going through now, it's no different. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not suggesting that COVID is some sort of satanic onslaught to do, do the church in. In my opinion, feel free to disagree with me, I think it's just one of those things that happens from time to time living in the world we live in, right? It's just something that happens. And yeah, it stops us doing a few things for a while and we'll miss people and we'll find it hard, but it doesn't stop us being the church. There are some things that don't change. Jesus is still Lord. He's still the name above all names. We are still the church against, nothing, against which nothing can prevail. And his church, that thing that even the gates of hell can't stand against, still the church. The world is changing. It will change. It will continue to change. But these two truths remain stubbornly unchanged. And as I say, we might not be feeling it now, but we need to remind ourselves in a way that informs not just our attitude, but our actions, that we are an unstoppable force who is led by an all-powerful God. That are two truths that must undergird everything we do and everything we think in these seasons and beyond. And look, there's still a bunch of things that doesn't stop us doing at all. Prayer is not locked down. Caring for one another is not locked down. Uh, worship is not locked down. Yeah, it's restricted. We can't do it together, but 
There's nothing stopping you doing it at home. We can still be on mission. We can still give. We can still serve in some way. We can still connect and be in community, even if it's a bit clunky. We can't be together, but we don't stop being the church. The only thing that can stop us from being the church is us. Let's never lose sight of those those two unchanging truths about Jesus and his church. But let's also accept this. Some things have not only changed, but they are actually going to stay changed. And there's no going back to the way things were. And it's not all COVID's fault. A lot of work has been done gathering data because everyone was really concerned about what's the church going to look like when COVID's over? And we've had pretty much a year, even though it's not over, a year to find out what the fallout was going to kind of be that initial kind of onslaught and the changes that affected the church. And some of the, some of the findings have actually been a little bit surprising. One of them is that a large percentage of people have simply dropped out altogether. 22% of people are done. They're not online anymore. They didn't go back physically. They're not going back physically. They're finished. They've moved on. Another thing is that attendance patterns have changed. Whereas before it used to be maybe one out of, you know, every fortnight, every second week most people would attend, now it's more likely to be one out of four or one out of six that people are going to actually physically attend. And the numbers of people who are serving or were serving in churches has fallen off a cliff, which means there's even fewer people still trying to do a whole lot more things. Now, there's a whole lot of other stuff that came out of it, but that's all we need to look at this morning. Now, why is that? Well, there are many reasons, and some of them quite unique and some quite personal, but there are some things in common. And one of them is that, that our values were confronted in the sense that COVID gave us a lot of time and gave us a perspective that most of us have never had before to really, really, really think about what is important to us. We had plenty of time on our hands to be able to do that. And for some people, the realisation came that church and God and Jesus, it just wasn't that important to them. Sounds a bit harsh to say, but that's where it came down to. And you've got to at least give people props for being self-aware and having the integrity to act on the decision they came to. This is actually just not that important to me. And so they have left. Then They're not online and they're never coming back. Well, we, should say, we shouldn't say never. Miracles can happen, right? They might come back. Another thing that happened is habits changed. In the past, pre-COVID, for the most part, Sundays were about getting up, forcing yourself into the car, if you had a family, wrangling them into the car as well, and getting to church to spend the best part of your morning in this building or a building with a bunch of other people and then using the rest of your day. When COVID came along, our habits changed. We didn't have to do that most weeks. We just rolled out of bed, we ordered Uber Eats and we sat in front of the telly. Or we thought, it's a beautiful day. In those days when you used to be able to go places, you, you remember those, um, you might go to the beach or you might go on a picnic or you might go on a drive or something and you can just watch church on demand later when you get home. So our habits changed and the thing with habits are when habits are broken and new habits are formed, it's very hard to go back to our old habits. So that's why it's, it's people are finding it more difficult to be around more frequently even when we're allowed to be around. 
But the other thing that happened, and I think is probably one of the most important things, is convenience actually became king. And I think this is the biggest issue. And part of the reason is, let's be honest, Sundays are awesome, right? On the weekend. It's throughout the week. The idea that we could have an extra day where we had nothing to do except that which we wanted to do, to go and unwind, relax, go to the beach, picnic, drive, whatever it happened to be, catch up with friends, have a long, lazy breakfast somewhere. That is awesome. And it's very difficult for us to come back for that. But it's easy for us to do because the convenience that online church provides means that we don't have to prioritise these other things because we can simply tune in and watch a service if and when it suits us at some point. Now this isn't simply a COVID thing, it's actually a cultural thing. Technology has been around for a while and church online has been around for a while and we were already heading in this direction. What happened was COVID just accelerated that process to where we maybe would have been in maybe five to ten years we got there overnight because church online was the only way to do church and so it just sped up all those other things. And it's not all bad, right? There's good news in this too. Technology is, it has had the potential to make us slack off but it also has provided a great many opportunities as well. As you heard from these guys in the videos, this season we're in, this stuff, it's a mixed bag. There's pros and cons. There's challenges and opportunities. There's gains and there's losses. Yes, it's, we've lost in some ways, but we've also gained in some ways as well. We can be in lockdown and we can still do this. I mean, we can still have church today because of technology. It's not the same as being in the room, but at least we can do this. We can still connect with one another. We can still resource and we can still equip people. People can check us out online. They can stalk us online for as long as they need to before they finally either decide to come or not decide to come. People can engage with us in ways that they are comfortable with and still have a bit of anonymity. And Church Online, it's here to stay. This is one of these things. Things have changed. This is never going back. This is reality from now on. We are a hybrid church. We are a community of people who meet physically in a building and a community of people who gather online online as well and they're both legitimate and for some people belonging in that online community for a while is going to be their way of making their way through okay it's a legitimate thing so this is it there's no going back to just church being just in the building church online is here to stay and we need to know how to navigate that well when we balance it off against the things we're called to be and do as followers of Jesus and his church in this time so it's great, and we should be investing in both, but I would add one caveat. Here's one caveat that I would add to the greatness and, and the opportunity of Church Online. Whilst it provides a range of benefits when we can't be around for whatever reason, or we're just sort of easing our way in or checking, you know, sort of slowly making our way into a place, where those benefits are great, Church Online is a brilliant supplement but it is a poor substitute for the real thing. So it is a great supplement to the physicality of church, but it is a poor substitute to the real thing. Why do I say that? Well, three reasons. One is it downgrades our commitment. And our personal commitment to Jesus as one of his disciples and as a follower is actually important. And there is a cost attached to that that we need to think about. 
The other thing is it erodes connection. As much as we don't mean to, we do begin to detach and be distant and to eventually begin to silo off despite our best intentions. The other thing is it diminishes or minimizes our contribution. In the end, we end up maximizing consumption but with diminishing returns. But don't mishear me, online is fantastic, we just need to be aware of its downside so we can navigate it well. And it won't be easy. It's here to stay, but it's not going to be an easy thing to navigate. Again, I come back to why, because it offers great convenience. And convenience has a very strong gravitational pull. We're just like everything else in nature. We will always take the path of least resistance if it's an option. And convenience in our overcrowded, overcommitted lives, well, that's a real value. And we're always going to be pulled towards what is convenient for us. But one of the things we need to wrestle with is that you and I, as followers of Jesus, irrespective of the time we find ourselves in, we were not called to convenience. So let's take a quick look at how convenience of technology can conflict with our call. As I said, at first, it downgrades commitment. Let me, let me, let me play out a scenario for you. First century AD, Judea, Jesus. Anyone who wants to follow me and be my disciple must first take up his or her cross and follow me. Australia, 21st century, most pastors. Hey, if you're not doing anything else, why don't you join us online? Can you see how the call to discipleship has devolved somewhat? Should, convenience of, should the convenience that technology affords us begin to shape and define our discipleship? Now, it already has. The question is, should it, and how far are we going to let it go? See, each of us, we really need to make some choices about what it means to follow Jesus, what our commitment is, and what cost we're actually prepared to pay. What does that look like for you? Now, right now, some of that choice has been made for us. We don't have to sacrifice our Sunday mornings because we're not allowed to. But we're going to go back to when this is a thing. So what is it going to look like for us going forward? How do we, what does that cost look like for us in this world? A lot of people wanted to follow Jesus, but on their own terms. Okay, they would come to him and they would say, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus would say to them, yeah, okay. And they'd say, but first I've got other things to do. And as I said to you before, there's no but first in the kingdom. Jesus said it doesn't work like that because it's seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things will be added unto you. See, our practices always flow from our priorities. And as I said, COVID has made a lot of church people realize that following Jesus was just not a priority in their life. Now, maybe you didn't walk away then. Maybe you haven't slacked off. But what does it look like right now? What does it look like going forward for you, given that there is always going to be the convenience of simply logging on and watching, and that could be the sum total of your commitment? What is it going to look like for you going forward? But it's not just our commitment to Jesus and his kingdom. It's, his, it's our commitment to his church, our commitment to each other, because we are the church, and you cannot separate them out at all. 
One of the downsides of online living is that it just individualizes us even further and we get even more inward looking and we lose our sense of responsibility towards one another. That convenience might work for us, but it's not all about us in the end, is it? There is a cost to following Jesus and if it's, if it's costing us nothing, then we need to seriously ask ourselves the question whether or not we are in fact following Jesus. The other thing is that it erodes connection. Just think about how easy it was during the last lockdown for us to lose touch with people. People you saw most weeks, people you looked forward to seeing, people you spoke with most weeks, we began to just drift away and lose touch with each other. Why? Because out of sight, unfortunately, is often out of mind. That's just the way it works. It's not intentional. We always, we always mean to get around to calling someone, texting someone, emailing them, whatever it happens to be. But we're so busy and we're so distracted and we've got so many other things on our plate. And to be honest, especially in times like lockdown, some of us get just a little bit down and we don't have the energy to do that. But the effect is that we begin to be isolated, to be more individualized, to be more siloed off from other people. And the thing is, we are hardwired for connection, for physical connection. Online is a great supplement. It's a great starter but it's a poor substitute for what it means to be the church. And this was one of the great fears when online church first became a thing because it's not a new thing, right? COVID didn't create online church. Online church existed well before COVID. Some of us just had to scramble to to get there and and, and do it. But one of the great fears um, that people had that online church would do would would be that it would detract from physical gatherings, that people would simply go, oh, it's much easier just to watch it on TV rather than actually turn up. And, and initially that, that was it. But now they've been doing this long enough that the research is in to be able to see what real effect it's actually having on the church. And you know what they're finding? They're finding that it doesn't detract from physical gatherings, it leads to it. If people genuinely have a relationship with Jesus, they're genuinely interested in being about the kingdom, then they might start online, but they almost invariably end up in person. You know why? Because we need the personal touch. We need the face-to-face. We need to be in a room with people to remind ourselves that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, that we're not just individuals having this private relationship with Jesus. We're part of a collective. We're part of a church. We need to see the faces of people. We need to feel the hand on our shoulder when someone prays for us. We need this connection. And that's some of the thing that some of us are missing right now because we can't be together. That stuff is hardwired into us. We can't get away from that at all. And I'm so glad we can do this this morning, right? But I'd much rather be doing it in person. It's just not the same vibe. If you could see what I'm seeing now, it's a little bit depressing. And that's no offense to Max, who's manning the camera, okay? It's a little bit depressing. And even worship. I no doubt you were sitting in front of your televisions this morning, singing your hearts out to annoy your neighbors, right? But you just don't get the same vibe as you do when there's all of us in the same room, do you? There's something holy, there's something transcendent about being in a room of people together worshipping. There's a presence in that that you don't get at home. I get it, right? Online's great, but it really is a poor substitute 
for being physically present and physically engaged in the church because the church is us, it is people. So I'm glad that we can do this, right? But the question we need to ask ourselves in going forward is, is this a supplement for me or is it gonna be a substitute? And finally, the last question, thing I wanna raise is that it minimizes contribution. For the most part, online traffic, okay, is one way. Online traffic is one way. Someone here speaking down the barrel of a camera with you guys at the other end on screens doing the consumption. And again, that's kind of not a new problem either because even before online church, before COVID lockdowns and all of these things, people were always concerned about consumer Christianity. That is, people would come to church, they would sit in the pews, they would consume what was on offer and then they would go home. All COVID and lockdown has done has mean that we don't have to leave our homes to consume. We can simply consume at home now. It's, it's not inconveniencing that. So COVID didn't create the problem, it's just amplified it. And there's nothing wrong with consumption. It's normal, it's natural, it's healthy. We need to be fed, we need to feed on things. But it's the same as if we just, it's the same as if it was in the natural, right? If all we do is consume kilojoules without expending any, any energy, well, that doesn't lead to good health outcomes, does it, right? And it's the same spiritually. If all we do is consume without expending any of that, any, any of that energy in the direction of other people and the world in general, then that's not gonna have great spiritual health outcomes for us either. Let's, let's you know, online overlooks our part, our responsibility for connection and contribution. You matter, your presence matters, your gifts and your resources and your talents and your life and just your very person, it matters and it needs to be entered into the mix. If you just consume through a screen all that you are and all that you have to bring to the table is taken away from this body and we are the poorer for it. It takes a body that's why we're called a body, because it requires all the parts working and all the gifts working for us to fully constitute a healthy, functioning body. But let's flip this just a little bit, right? Sometimes we struggle during these times, probably more than we need to for one simple reason, is that we, we consume, but we never give. And as I said, sometimes it's really hard when you're already struggling yourself, when you're already feeling a little bit down, maybe a little bit depressed, it's enough energy just getting yourself out of bed, getting yourself out of the chair, functioning. The thought of giving to someone else, but in a sense, that's where some of your own healing is. That's where some of your own energy is gonna come from. I mean, it was Jesus himself who said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And the problem with online church only as a substitute, it's all consumption. It's all consumption for your own health, for your own mental well-being, for your own health, for the health of the body, we all need to give. We all need to give what God has put in us so we can bless other people and function as a body. Okay, Technology is a blessing, but it can also be a bit of a curse. And that is true. It has always been true, and it's even more true now. So, like, what can I do, for example? We're sitting here in lockdown, and you're thinking, okay, then what could I do? What could I do? Lots of things. Lots of things. Like we've said this morning, give someone a call. Send someone a text. 
Contact them on social media. Whatever it is, reach out and connect with someone else. You can pray for people. You can actually pray for them. And more than that, you can actually let them know you're praying for them. We can pray for our church. We can pray for our leaders. We can pray for our political leaders. We can pray for our country. We can pray for all this stuff that's going on in the world. You can give. And again, thank you so much, church. You're very faithful at this. But we can continue to give. We can engage. We can participate online. I mean, get on the chat. Actually engage. Say hello. Connect with us. Because again... If you could see what I'm seeing, it's a big empty room. It's nice to know that there are living, breathing human beings at the other end of this and I'm not just talking into the air or boring Max silly this morning, okay? Yes, he said he's bored. Okay, so anyway, get online, do that sort of thing. Um, sometimes, like our social posts, like our stuff on YouTube, sometimes we put stuff out there and it's crickets and tumbleweeds. We need to know, look, don't be disingenuous. Don't like something if you didn't like it. But if you like something, show that you liked it. You know what the net effect of you guys actually engaging, even if it's just clicking a button to go like? It actually drives up our rankings and increases our reach. This is actually part of our strategy for reaching people. And every time you like something, it begins to send us a little bit further. So please like us. And plus, there's a really good vanity metric in it for people like me because I get to go, yay, people liked it. Okay? If for no other reason, encourage your senior pastor. Let him know that you're reading stuff, that you've acknowledged it. Okay? Instead of seeing social posts with two likes, let's see 150 likes. It takes no, very, very, very little time for you to be able to do that. So right, I, I want an action step. Right after we finish this morning, I want everyone to like this stream. I want you to jump on social and I want you to go back and like every historical post we've ever done. All right? No, you don't have to do that. But go on and like the, the most recent ones, okay? Seriously, you can spike our numbers and increase our reach just by doing simple things like that. Get on our app and check out our prayer wall, all right? There's a... I went on a prayer wall and had a look. And some of these prayers on there have got three people praying. Now, I, I know that there's probably more people praying. But here's the thing. We're all prone to thinking that it doesn't matter if I don't say I'm praying or if I don't like or if I don't engage because someone else will. But if we all think like that, no one engages, right? So don't assume that someone else is going to like, engage, comment, whatever. It's everyone's responsibility because, again, you can't, do it, you can't do much else, so you can do this. Get on there and do this. Because I'm on this prayer wall, right? Prayer for my healing. I know there are probably more people praying than this, but there's only 10 people on there. Now, there's other people that we've put on there as well, and if they were to jump on and see how many people were praying, it'd be a little bit depressing. It would. It would be a little depressing. Think how encouraging it is for someone, right? Think how encouraging it is to get on that prayer wall and see there's a hundred people praying for me and, and people that maybe I don't even really know. Think about the encouragement that that is. I know, it, I know it doesn't seem like much. It's a like here, a like there, a I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But think about the optics of that. Think about what that looks like. These are ways we can meaningfully engage when we can't physically be here. And even when we can physically be here, it's still going to count. It's still stuff that's important and that we need to do. So don't be passive, right? Make it a goal to be a blessing in this time and beyond, particularly at this time though. Not only will it make a difference to someone else, it will make a difference to you because it is more blessed to give than receive. So right now, 
I want you to put that in practice. I want you to give some thumbs up. I want you to do praise hands because in my mind, I'm imagining a standing ovation at this time and you need to humour me in that. There's a 17 second delay between what I'm saying and what you're hearing. So I'm going to check you out in a minute, right? Anyway, time has changed. Things are changing, but the truth about Jesus and his church has not. Nor has our call to commitment, our responsibility to connect, and our obligation to contribute. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it now? What does it look like going forward for you? I'm sure as I've been talking, some things have come to mind for you. The Lord may have brought something up, may have nudged you on something. What I want you to do is I want you to actually write that down. I want you to write that down and I want you to commit to doing that thing that God has put on your heart to do. Okay? Anyway, it's been wonderful to kind of not see you through the uh, lens of the camera this morning. God bless you and hopefully we'll be together soon. Right now we're going to go into a time of communion. Now you can do this at home, but remember at this point you are joining spiritually with your brothers and sisters in their own homes. So let's do that, not just connecting with Jesus, but imagine yourself connecting with the people that you can't be around at this point. Bless you guys. See ya.